Hola and Konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the only podcast out there fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the upcoming prelims of UFC fight cards. Today, we're talking about UFC in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's a fun card, but of course, as you know from all of the past shows, we're only talking about the prelims of that card. Now, if you're new to the show, you're probably wondering to yourself, why would the podcast limit itself to just talking about the prelims? Well, the answer is quite simple. There are a lot of podcasts out there that talk about the main card, right? You can check out people talking about Francis Naganu versus Junior Dos Santos in all corners of the web. But there are very few podcasts out there helping you with the prelims that you know nothing about. And that's where we come in. And you know what? Those prelims are important because if you gamble or if you play daily fantasy sports, you're probably missing out by not knowing a whole lot about the prelims, right? You, you got to pick some of those people off the prelims in order to make sure you're winning. And we're here to make sure that you're more knowledgeable about it. And if you're really into daily fantasy sports, I want to tell you about our exclusive sponsor of this show, BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way we play daily fantasy for MMA. That's because no longer do you have to worry about losing because your guy scored three or four less leg kicks than their guy. That's right. We're not counting leg kicks anymore. We're not worrying about significant strike. What is a significant strike, right? Most, Most announcers can't tell you what a significant strike is. We're not worried about the significant strike totals anymore. Instead, we're just picking five winners, how they win, and what round they win in. That's it. You're going to pick those things. You're going to add a little bonus to it, and then you're going to watch your points rack up. It's the best way to do a daily fantasy contest for MMA. I highly suggest checking out bsmma.com. And when you do, you've got an exclusive listener-only contest for this show. That's right. This show is giving you a free listener-only contest this week if you use the promo code Prelim 5, P-R-E-L-I-M, and the number 5. Use the number, that Prelim 5 contest code. You're going to get a free contest, and the winner is going to win a copy of GSP's book, The Way of the Fight. That's right. You're going to win a copy of GSP's book, The Way of the Fight, in a free contest. So just type in Prelim 5, check it out, and get your picks in today. And to help you out with those picks on BSMMA.com, I've enlisted the help of a very knowledgeable co-host. Today, I'm joined by uh, Nick Baldwin, who you can find on BloodyElbow.com. Nick, are you ready to give this a go? I think so. I'll, I'll do my best. I appreciate you having me on the show and uh, hope I can live up to the expectations and, and, and sort of uh, do as well as all your, your, your past guests. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sure you'll have no problem. But first of all, we have to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start round one talking about Eric Anders versus Vinicius Morea. So Eric Anders is on a three-fight losing streak. He's lost to Khalil Roundtree, Elias Theodoro, and Tiago Santos in the middleweight division. Uh, Vinicius Morea got KO'd by Alonzo Metafield in his UFC debut. He is 0-1. Here's my question for you, Nick. Does Eric Anders still have it? Is he still the prospect we thought we were getting all along? Or do we now know too much about the weaknesses in his game? It's tough because Eric Anders, I mean, he needs to win this fight. If he wants to keep his job in the UFC, he needs to beat Morea this Saturday in Minneapolis. And I think he does. I, I think he will win this fight. But I, I don't know if he'll ever be the middleweight or light heavyweight prospect we thought we were getting. I'll be honest, the second Eric Anders debuted in the UFC, his last LFA fight against Brendan Allen, I was never and I've never been all that impressed. I, I thought he could do well. I, I didn't think we'd see him on a three-fight skid this, this early on, but here we are. It's a big fight for him. I think he gets it done, but 
can he ever be that top prospect or, or future contender at 185 that we thought we were getting, as he said? I don't think so. I think some of that, too, is the huge step up in competition, right? Like, uh, you know, Loyola Machida, uh, Elias Theodoro, Tiago Santos, th- those are all some pretty big names. It's nice that he's getting the step down here with Morea. I- I'm just curious with what you think here. Do you think he relies more on his wrestling than he has in the past? It's possible. I mean, although I say that, and his UFC debut, he went out there and destroyed Rafael Natal, a, a, a veteran in the middleweight division for the UFC. Um, so if he can land some big shots on Morea, maybe uh, Morea goes down and, and Anders earns one of his first KOs in a little while. Um, I, although if he wants to play it safe, I won't be surprised. The only one one other thing I'll say on on Anders is we have to we can't forget that he has fought tough competition. Uh, Elias Diodoro. No matter what someone will, will say about him, he's a tricky fighter to fight. Thiago Santos is fighting John Jones in a couple of weeks, and Cleo Roundry looked really good in that fight. So he's fought the tough competition, but um, it, it, you know he, he, he has to get it done on Saturday. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, too, that those three people you mentioned, none of them were able to put him away either because he's such a tough customer here. So it sounds like, well, we're going to wrap up this fight here, sounds like you're leaning towards Anders, and uh, yeah. how are you going to predict he wins this one? I'll say I'll say Tikio, um, some sort of knockout, some sort of finish with strikes. I don't know exactly how it plays out. Admittedly, don't know tons about Morea's game, um, but I think he'll probably be able to get on top if he chooses to, and probably ground him out with a with, with some strikes. All right, well, let's get to the second fight of the first round, which is another one where I'm going to ask a very similar question here, <laughs> and that's Maurice Green versus Junior Albini. Uh, Maurice Green, two and zero in the UFC, beat Jeff Hughes and uh, Michelle Batista in his first two fights. And then we're going to look at Junior Albini, a formerly ranked heavyweight, it, but he's got three straight losses as well. Alexi Olenek, Andre Arlovsky, and Jair uh, Rosenstreich, who, who has proved to be pretty damn good recently, too. <laughs> Albini won his debut over Tim Johnson with a violent KO, but I'm starting to worry about the same things I am with Anders. Is he a fluke or is he the real deal? Well, the thing with Albini, the way – the how he differs from Anders is – Anders had bigger expectations. We didn't really look at Junior Albini and say, oh, coming into the UFC, this guy's the next big heavyweight prospect. He's going to be a contender like Ngannou was, like Curtis Braden. He never had those expectations. After knocking out Tim Johnson, we, I, I think we started to get ahead of ourselves, and we thought Albini was better than he, than he actually is. We, a lot of people thought he'd beat Arlovsky brutally. Arlovsky won a decision in one of his first uh, wins in a, in a long time at that point. I just don't know if Albini's ever been that great. He, he's obviously talented. He, he's in the UFC for a reason, but he never was that top prospect in the eyes of me, anyways, and I don't think in the eyes of many. Um, Maurice Green, still pretty green, you know, no, no pun intended. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't it's, it's a tough fight, but uh, yeah, as you said, Albini um, on the three-fight skid, very important fight for him. He needs to get it done, and kind of like Anders, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a close one. Yeah, and I think, too, the interesting question here, too, is both of them seem to have had trouble with their gas tank. Maurice Green, it looks like he's in better shape than his last fight. Junior Albini, never a guy who looks like he's in, in good shape. Do you think that plays into this fight? It might. Green maybe is the more athletic fighter. Um, I, I'd need to go back and watch his fights and watch watch Albini's fights a bit uh, a little closer than, than I have, but... Um, yeah, Albini definitely, uh, you know, has some extra weight on him that 
you know, losing wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily, but it's like a lot of heavyweights. So, you know, I mean, even Cain Velasquez, when he was at the top of the UFC, he was never ripped. He was never shredded. So at, at, at the heavyweight division, it, that, that extra fat around, those extra 10 pounds don't seem to mean that much all the time. That's true. And we're down to about five seconds in the first round. So I'm going to have to ask you, what's your prediction for Maurice Green versus Junior Albini? I got Maurice Green. Um, I, I think it might be a bit of a grinding decision, maybe a late stoppage. All right, and yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I'm going to go Maurice Green, and I'm going to say if he gets the stoppage, it's by submission, but most likely one of those really daunting, long-ass heavyweight fights that's usually pretty <laughs> brutal to watch. And that's going to do it with the end of the first round. Me and Nick are going to catch our breaths on the stool, and we will be back in just a moment with the second round. <laughs> Look, the best part about playing daily fantasy sports is got to be making your friends look stupid. That's right. I always have loved sitting around watching MMA with my friends, watching them try to predict the fights and showing them that I know more than them. That's right. I know more than them and they need to know it. Daily Fantasy Sports gives you a way to prove it. And that's really where the concept for BSMMA.com came from is that we know that you want to prove to them in a good way, right? Like you don't want to prove to them in the way like we were talking before earlier on the show with the leg kicks. Instead, we want you to prove that you know more by picking who's going to win and when they're going to win. So bsmma.com has the create your own contest option where you can set it up with your friends and you can pick how many friends you want in there. Maybe you don't like Steve. Steve doesn't get to be in the contest. And then you could pick the prize pool, how much you want to enter. Maybe you want to make it a free contest just so you can show you know more than them. All of those things are options with the Create Your Own Contest. And while you're there, don't forget to use the promo code PRELIM5 and get in on our free contest for this show and win GSP's book. But all of those things, you got to go to bsmma.com and make your account. Now, back to the show. And we are back with the second round. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. All right, and we're going to start the second round by talking about Jared Gordon versus Dan Moret. Jared Gordon on a two-fight losing streak. He was recently KO'd by Joaquin Silva and beat by Diego, uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira. And Dan Moret, 0-2 in the UFC, also clinging to the need for a win. He lost to Alex White and Gilbert Burns. It looks like a fight, though, where Jared Gordon can finally sort of implement his wrestling. Moret has had trouble with the takedown defense. Do you think that's the whole story in this fight? Probably. Jared Gordon's had a lot of bad luck in the UFC. The, I mean, the Diego Feia fight, I think he, he suffered a low blow. And then maybe there was a legal strike in there as well. I, I can't remember. I know it was a kind of a, a fishy, fishy win. Nothing against uh, Feia. Obviously, he deserved that win. But, you know, maybe uh, Gordon could have done a bit more if that low blow didn't happen. And then in the Joaquin Silva fight in, in December, um, he tore his hamstring in that fight, I believe. And so that sort of hindered his performance and led to uh, Silva's get, getting that third round knockout. Um, but having said that, a, a win is a win. It's on paper. Gordon's 2-0 two, two in his last uh, last two fights, or 0-2, sorry, in his last two. And he needs this. Dan Morat does as well. This is a loser leave town fight, in, in my opinion. Um, and it's a pretty good fight. Uh, I, I think Jared Gordon's probably a bit better on the feet. Um but yeah, I keep saying this, and I, I don't want to repeat. I don't want to repeat myself. But this is a trend. He needs a win. Yeah, and and this prelim is really full of guys who needs a win. Do you think that that causes him to fight safer and shoot a whole bunch of takedowns? Like like you said, Moret is pretty good on the ground, but is he really good enough to sub him off his back? 
Probably not. Uh, Although I I do think Gordon probably keeps this one on the feet. I think he's the much better striker. Morant maybe tries to get it down. I don't think he will be able to, though. I think this this is Gordon's fight to lose. I think he can control it on the feet and probably get the nod there. All right. So it sounds like you're going Gordon by decision. Probably. Maybe a late knockout, but probably decision. All right, I'm going to go Gordon by decision as well. I think he is going to score a few more takedowns than you do, um, just because I think, you know, he's landed quite a few takedowns in his last couple fights. So I'm going to go with him yeah. by some top control. The next one we're going to look at is Emily Whitmire versus Amanda Rebus. Emily Whitmire is on a two-fight winning streak, beating Jamie Moyle and Alexandra Albu. Uh, Rebus is making her UFC debut. She's 6-1. and one. Uh, that one loss is to Pollyanna Von- Diana, who is on uh, in the UFC. But Rebus is on a three-year layoff due to sort of some fishy stuff. Uh, do you think that layoff is something you should be worried about if you're rooting for Amanda Rebus? Probably. Usually three years off. I mean, we saw Matt Wyman get back after a four- or five-year layoff this past weekend. And yes, he was fighting a very top lightweight prospect in Luis Pena who a lot of guys lose to, but man, that was a, that was not a good performance. That really, I mean, that was a rude awakening for, for the return of Matt Wyman. So I'm not saying it'll look like that. Emily Whitmire. I mean, I think let's be honest, Payne is probably a, a bit of a more promising prospect respectively than, than Whitmire is, but Whitmire is really good. So Rebus, if she feels ring rust, this could go Emily's way. Um, the big story here is that Rebus, for me anyways, is that she's coming off that USADA suspension. She finished most of it. I, I believe it was a year and a half or, or two years suspension. She finished almost all of it. And then the last couple months, the U, U, USADA said, hey, no, we, we looked into it. She She's good to go. She wasn't at fault. So we're, we're, we're getting rid of her suspension. Unfortunately for her, it was at the last couple months anyway. So it didn't really matter. But um yeah, I, I think it's important to note that she wasn't at fault in, in that case with USADA. So uh, layoff, though, nonetheless, still there. It, it's definitely worth looking at. Yeah, and it, it is worrisome, too. And Whitmire has looked damn good lately, too. That that fight against Alex, uh, Alexander Albu uh, made her look like a downright killer. So it might be the wrong opponent to be walking into here. I think Rebos is a little bit more uh, athletically gifted. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I'm leaning Whitmire here based on the fact of the huge layoff. I would have to agree. Um, I, I think this could go either way. I probably say that about most fights, but um, I, I think Whitmire gets it done. But Rebass, I mean, she might have something there that we're not really expecting. All right. And now we got enough time to squeeze one more into the second round. Let's talk about Dalcha Lyum Buba. Ooh, man, I knew I was going to slaughter that one. <laughs> and Justin with that, uh, Lungambula is 9 and 1 in, the, uh, in his pro career. He's got. KOs in two of his last three. He was the champ champ of EFC in South Africa. Uh, a killer judo guy. Justin Ledet, 0-2 at 205 pounds. But those those losses are to Alexander Rajic and Johnny Walker, which are pretty legit losses. Ledet has looked very slow at 205 pounds. Probably far too slow for his own good. Do you think that's the effect of fighting those two killer opponents, or is this not a division for him? Well, I mean, when he drops down in weight... Uh, light heavyweights are faster than heavyweights, and if he can't adjust his speed with the with with moving down in weight, then yeah, he's going to be the slower guy at 205. Now, for him, he's lucky that he's lost to Rakic and, and Walker, two of the most promising fighters at 205 right now. Um, on the other hand, I, I'll be honest. I mean, you're you're a brave man for trying to pronounce his name. I got to add that in there, Dan. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll stick with Dalcha. I'll, I'll be honest. Don't know a whole lot about him, but. Um, being a, a champion in South Africa, I think if you asked someone a few years ago, they would say that means almost nothing. But we've seen some good fighters coming out of South, South Africa over the past couple of years. And so 
maybe he is is talented. Maybe he's really good. I, I, I know this is a prelim podcast. I guess I didn't do the research on, on Dalcha, but um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll lean towards Ledet just because I know more about him. But have being a bit slower at 205, not not uh, you know things haven't been going his way lately. Maybe he he falls short yet again. I, I think if it stays in the feed, I, I think Ledet is a, a decent chance here too. But I, I think the judo background of Delcha is just going to be too much for him. I'm gonna go with Delcha uh, TKO in the top game. How about you? Oh yes, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go Ledet. I, I, I'm decision probably another one of those grinding fights that are isn't too too exciting but i'll, I'll go justin ledet bit more experience in the ufc all right and that's going to do it with the end of the second round we are going to be back with our last two fights in the third round just after this commercial break so we talked a little bit earlier on the show about how bsmma.com is real simple right you pick the winner you pick how they win, and you pick the round they win. Now, I did mention earlier that there's also a bonus to it. Every fighter that you pick, all five of them, you can tack on one of the cool five bonuses that BSMMA.com has. All of them are different. All of them have their own risks and rewards. Some of them, you get a couple of points here or there. Some of them, you can hit the jackpot, okay? So you're going to want to check them out. You're going to want to learn all about them. My personal favorite, and don't don't tell anybody it's my personal favorite, but my personal favorite is I usually try to find a good wrestler or two and tack on the AC Slater bonus and get three points for every takedown. So that's a little bit of a, a, an edge you can get if you, you know somebody's going to shoot, you know, seven or eight takedowns or maybe Habib's on the card and you're going to get 21 like he did against Abel Trujillo but I highly suggest familiarizing yourself with all the bonuses because it could take you to the next level don't forget check out bsmma.com in their free contest prelim 5 and we are back with the third round we're going to put another 5 minutes on the clock and in this round we're going to be talking about two guys who took these fights on uh, very short notice. So the first one is Journey Newson, uh, who is a 9-1 pro with six finishes in a boxing background, who's going to be fighting the UFC veteran Hikardo Hamos, who is a 3-1 in the UFC. Ramos, though, gets hit a real lot. If you're looking at his fight metric, he gets hit almost four times a minute. Is that enough for us to consider a guy with a boxing background a live underdog? I think Journey Newsom has to be a live underdog. Ricardo Ramesh is really good, but yes, I mean, Newsom coming from that boxing background, as you mentioned, Ramos getting getting hit quite a bit. Yeah, of course he's a live dog. I'm not saying he'll win. I, I think it probably go goes Ricardo's way. Um, I, I think, he, I mean, he's a really dangerous fighter. We saw that uh, that knockout over Eamon Zahabi a couple years ago. That was vicious, and, and so I think he gets it done. He's been in the UFC. He has a bit more experience, but hey, Journey Newsom, I mean, if if anybody's gonna come in and, and and finish Ricardo, who as you said gets hit, you know more than more than you want, um, it's probably gonna be him. Yeah, and I, I think too you mentioned that Iman Zahabi fight, which I, I think was a great finish on Ricardo Hamas's part, but at the same time, I thought Zahabi was winning that fight all the time. I know people are real big on Ramos, but for me that opens the door to Newsom here, and, and I think the striking could possibly do it. But it sounds like you're picking Ramos here. I'll go Ramos or. I butchered that. I'll, I'll go Ricardo. I'll stick with his first name like like the other. Um, I don't know how. I'm trying to think. 
maybe a finish. I mean, I, I won't be surprised if be, uh, to see a finish, but if this does go three rounds, I, that wouldn't surprise me either. I'll, I'll go to just I'll go a decision to keep it a bit more boring. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe he he could very easily win by win by a finish. All right, I'm gonna take Journey Newson here. Uh, I'm okay. gonna put my my neck out on the line. I think the newcomer taking this fight on short notice has got the hands to sting uh, Hamo. So. Our last fight is going to be one, again, a fighter t- taking a fight on short notice. Vince Murdoch has stepped in for Chaz Skelly very late. He's an alpha male fighter who's a 12-3 and pro making his UFC debut. He's going to be fighting Jordan Griffin, who lost his UFC debut. But he lost his UFC debut to Dan Ige, who once again, if we're talking about people we saw recently, Dan Ige looked like a killer recently, and he went the, the distance with him. So... Uh, you know, given that we we haven't seen too much of Griffin and, you know, people have seen almost nothing of Vince Murdoch, what what should sort of fans know about this fight? That, that it, It's a tough one because Vince Murdoch is stepping up on, on so short notice. It, it, it's tough to know, is he in shape? Is he ready? Has he trained for this fighter, for Jordan Griffin? Is, is he just ready for that step up in competition, ready for his first fight in the big leagues? I don't know the answer to that question. I'll be speaking – speaking and speaking to him in Minneapolis later this week. So I'm sure he's going to say he's ready, but we don't know if the jitters will affect him. We don't know any of those things. I think the safe pick here is probably Jordan Griffin. Um, as you said, lost his debut to Danny Gay wasn't, but was a fairly close fight. And Hey, Danny Gay, he, he's good. I mean, he, he lost his, his debut, maybe his first couple of fights, if I recall correctly, but he's getting better. He's really talented right now. Um, I think Jordan Griffin, uh, a bit longer, just more time to prepare. I think he's the safe pick, as I said. I think he gets it done. But Vince Mur- Murdoch working with, with Team Alphamil in Sacramento, a lot of top training partners. He he's uh, he, he, he fought a, a Canadian bandway prospect a couple years ago, TJ Laramie, and mm. arguably won that fight, I believe. Um, I, I think that's the right fight. I, I could be wrong. But, uh, yeah, he, he almost beat Laramie. It's a controversial deci- decision, so – this guy's good. I just don't know if he's good enough to beat Griffin. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the alpha male stuff too here because Vince Murdoch is an alpha male guy, so you can kind of assume he can at least wrestle a little bit, right? Like even the good boxer-type guys Definitely. from alpha male like like Josh Emmett, who's like one of the more strike-heavy guys at alpha male, he can wrestle a little bit. Now, Jordan Griffin was taken down three times in his UFC debut, but he's also preparing for Chaz Skelly, so we, we got to assume he was preparing for some grappling. Do you think he can hold him off long enough to get his striking going? Uh, Griffin, that is? Yeah, Griffin, that is. Yep. Probably. I, I, Vince, I, as far as I know, I, I've actually I, – I, I've known Vince for, for a little while. I, I've known of him for a few years. Um, so I'm happy to see where he's at now. But I, I think Jordan can probably keep him – uh, keep, keep himself off his back fairly often throughout this fight. I, I think he probably just wins in the stand-up, as you said. All right, and I'm going to go with the same thing. I'm going to go with Jordan Griffin by decision, and that just about wraps us up with round three. All seven of the prelim fights from UFC in Minneapolis, Minnesota have come to a close. Nick, I want to thank you so much for giving us those 15 minutes of breakdown of the prelim fights. Thanks for your time, man. Yes, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun because people don't talk about the prelims enough. So appreciate you having me.